we had a new staff member of the church, and he had a ski boat. <laughs> okay, so I had to get to know this guy. And uh, sure enough, we would go uh, out on the lake. Well, he used that ski boat as a discipleship tool. And he would get one or more of us out there on the boat, and then he'd start asking us about our walk with the Lord. How real was Jesus to us? Yeah. Introduced me to a few authors that I didn't know. We walked through the books together. I still use these books in discipling men today. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. It's time for our monthly feature with a professor and staff member from Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, an incredible educational institution in our city. A lot of people might not know about the opportunities that exist at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, and that's really one of the reasons why we decided to put this show on the air to help introduce you to some of the professors. Just learn more about opportunities that you can further education at the seminary and the college at Mid-America, too. Today, I'm really excited about welcoming Dr. Randy Redd to the program. Randy is a longtime friend of mine. I think I first met Randy soon after he moved to Memphis from Texas. That's right. It's so many years ago. And that was before you and Melanie got married. It was, probably right around 1990. There's a lot we're going to talk about. Of course, your position at the seminary is Vice President for Finance and Operations, the CFO and Assistant Professor of Business Administration and Management. In addition to that, you, along with many of the staff members and professors, have church positions where you are a minister of music at Grace Point Baptist Church in Cordova. You might preach sometimes too, right? Actually, I do. I have <laughs> great privilege of being able to fill in for uh, Brother John Allen. As a matter of fact, this Sunday I will. Just thinking back, Randy, when we first met, I think you were working for Federal Express at the time, and I could be wrong. Were you in some type of management with FedEx? Yeah, actually, um, a, a private foundation moved me to the area okay. when I first came to Memphis. And then I met Melanie... And my boss wanted me to move down to Mississippi, but my heart wanted me to stay in Memphis. <laughs> so uh, I prayed, and I sought wise counsel at the church, uh, Bellevue Baptist Church. Actually, one of the gentlemen that I, I talked with once upon a time was uh, Roland Maddox, yes. uh, my wife's father. At the time, had no idea I was going to become her husband. But yeah, that transitioned over to a part-time job uh, working at FedEx that turned into a full-time job at FedEx. Things took off relationship-wise and everything else. Isn't the journey right with Christ? I mean, if you hang on in faith and trust him, you don't know where he's going to lead you. <laughs> That's right. We like to say you put your yes on the table. Yes. And uh, then whatever God says do, you've already put your yes down. You're it's there, already there. Ready to go. Yeah. Melanie, your wife, and she has been a dear friend. I remember Melanie back when she was like in ninth grade. I was a junior in high school when I first joined Bellevue. Right. So we were in the youth group together. I think we went on maybe a mission trip or something. Of course, Melanie has grown to have an incredible ministry herself. She's been my guest here on this show I know. multiple times. Exactly. She says hello, oh, and, I, and I don't hold against you. I would have her long before I'd ever have me. Well, she and I have been talking. I said, we need to get the Reds, Randy and Melanie, on together because you've been on this weight loss journey. Oh, yes, as a matter of fact. As a couple, um, really. Yeah, I mean, a little over a year ago, I had three stents put in. I, I, I went in back February a year ago with terrible chest pains, and it turned out to be pericarditis, which is the inflammation around the heart sac, right. around the heart. But while they were there, they found blockage, and uh, the doctor recommended that uh, we 
look at putting some stents, uh, a stent, maybe two more, and he ended up doing three. But that was in the – I mean, this was February, March, so COVID was just right. at its onset. So he said, let's look at June. Maybe we could figure it out then. And sure enough, that's when I went in for the surgery. And he, he made a comment to Melanie, said, hey, if he doesn't change some habits – We'll be cracking his chest open next time. Oh, my. I know. Yeah. Uh, that has a way of getting your attention. God knows just what to do, doesn't he? So we were praying, and we had friends praying for us. And honestly, uh, out of the blue, some longtime friends, they were actually in our class when we taught a young married class at Bellevue um, that we've stayed up with. And they had been praying for me. And um, Melanie said, hey, we're going to have to do something, need some help with this, and uh, please pray. And she said, well, listen, me and my husband have been on a journey. And, you know, it's interesting you say Randy has to change some habits. That's exactly what we had to do. She began to coach Melanie and coach me. My heaviest was about 253. And I'm at uh, 210 this morning. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) That's great. It is great. I feel so much better. On my way down to 190-something. Well, in an indirect way, your testimony, and mainly through social media, where I get to see these weight loss reductions, (laughs) you and Melanie together, and some other friends that you and I both know that have lost weight. Beginning of the year, I had the wake-up call and realized I needed to. So since March, I've dropped about 42 pounds. Way to go. And and, and more is coming, but it has been an attitude change, a lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. Really, it's kind of a spiritual thing, really. Yeah. Trusting God. I agree. I think there is a, a real stewardship uh, issue here as as well as a part of a discipleship, a walk with him. Yeah. That has made a huge difference as well. It's just getting rid of some bad habits. Yes. And and then taking on some, some good habits. It's really made a huge difference. And we also try to do a little exercise and just a little more active lifestyle. The more you do, the more you want. Don't you feel better? Oh, my goodness. The energy level has increased so much, Randy. Yes. Uh, and, and, and tremendous, tremendous, as you can attest. It's amazing what that's done. My uh, doctor's very happy about it, too. Oh, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Well, what do you know about the habits of the North American black bear? Well, I know a lot, actually, about the North American black bear. Because I was uh, a bear trainer at Baylor, and uh, thank you for bringing that up. I'm really proud of my Baylor Bears, uh, national champions in basketball this year. Yeah, go so Bears. thank you for letting me have an opportunity to give them a shout-out. Well, I had no idea. I knew you went to Baylor, but I had no idea that you actually trained the mascot. Still wearing the ring, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I actually partnered with a, um, the, uh, a, a guy who did it for two years. I just did it for one year. Kind of a coordinator trainer. Right. We it's an interesting story, but I won't go into the whole thing. But the bear we get when they're a cub. I mean, really, just as soon as they're able to be separated from right. their mother, they are available. And uh, so we bought this cub. Baylor bought this cub, right? And uh, the the two of us were designated as the as the trainers, so to speak. And so the the cub at that time was sent to California for a Hollywood animal trainer to help train the bear. Yeah. Well, we had to go, too. He had to train us. <laughs> we needed so more you, training than the bear. You've been so. trained by an official Hollywood bear trainer. There you go. There you go. <laughs> he had wolves on site and all kinds of different things. He had done – he was talking about some different movies he had done. It was, it was pretty fascinating uh, two weeks that we spent there out in the desert outside of L.A., 
I think the bear ate better than we did. <laughs> the, whole bit. the bear flew. We drove. That's just not right. That's but, not right, uh, Randy. I'm telling you. Oh, but I love that. Well, we I saw that. Time. We had to talk about that for a few sure, moments. Sure, sure. Understand that you received Christ at the age of nine. Hmm. What have you learned about God and your relationship to him through all these years? That's a great question, and I really appreciate the opportunity to just talk about him. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home. My uh, mother and father were both very active at the First Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas. I don't remember the first time I went to church because we went every Sunday, and it was a normal thing for us to do, Sundays and Wednesdays, and Tuesday night visitation, oh, by the way. So very involved, very active. So it was natural for me to understand my need for a Savior, that I have a life was full of sin and uh, that I needed a Savior to take care of the sin. I was never going to be able to take care of that myself. Even at nine years old, you understood that. Yeah. I mean, the culture of that home was such that we were always brought to that knowledge of what was going on. So it was always there. But at nine, Jesus just opened my eyes to see the truth. Yeah. Salvation is of the Lord, okay? Yes. I didn't do anything, but it just made sense. I understood that I was a sinner, and I understood that Jesus, even while I was a sinner, died for me and gave his life. His blood paid the ransom for my sin. It's the only blood that would ever be able to do that. That's right. And he was willing to give it for me. And Jesus, he gave that sacrifice. God accepted that sacrifice. I appropriated that vicariously for myself. Yes, It's been an, an amazing journey with him. I was blessed uh, right out of Baylor to come back to Tyler, my hometown. We had a new staff member of the church, and he had a ski boat. <laughs> okay, so I had to get to know this guy. And uh, sure enough, we would go uh, out on the lake. Well, he used that ski boat as a discipleship tool. And he would get one or more of us out there on the boat, and then he'd start asking us about our walk with the Lord. How real was Jesus to us? Introduced me to a few authors that I didn't know. We walked through the books together. I still use these books in discipling men today. When the time came for me to have the opportunity to move to Memphis, he said, hey, I've got a recommendation for you. You'll want to check out Bellevue Baptist Church. Adrian Rogers is the pastor. And honestly, I didn't know who Adrian Rogers was at the time. Yeah. Okay? I just didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I I go to Bellevue on a Wednesday, and I eat. This is when we were still downtown, okay, midtown. And I'm eating Wednesday night supper with 3,000 of my closest friends, you know. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guy across from me says, um, do you like to sing? And I said, oh, I love to sing. He said, well, come to choir. And I said, okay. I was wanting to, but I didn't know anything about it. He said, just tag along with me. So we left there, went to the service, and then went to choir afterwards. And I'm telling you, I sat next to – I'm a tenor. And I sat next to a couple of guys that were just trumpets. And I thought, wow, <laughs> where am I? You know, <laughs> this is crazy. I loved it. And uh, I met Dr. Jim Whitmire uh, yeah. at that time. Yeah. And uh, we've been friends since. Well, don't slice yourself on your voice now, Randy, because you have an amazing tenor oh. voice. And I wanted to ask you where you got your singing voice, your interest in music. Was someone in your family musical? Well, actually, my, my 
my dad did substitute. He did uh, some interim music uh, director uh, younger in his life. Um, never had any music training. He just loved music. It's very musical. Both sisters play the piano. My brother as well plays the piano. I don't. <laughs> but I play the guitar and have enjoyed that so much. Music is a big part of our our family. I know. And I've heard you sing many times. Mm-hmm. I've seen you wear a blue suit, too, for kids, yeah, yeah. a kid's event. Yeah, You're absolutely. willing to step into whatever comes up, right? Yes, is on the table. Yes, is on the table. Now, before your call into ministry, you worked in the oil and gas industry in East Texas. I did. Uh, what are some characteristics of the oil and gas business that have helped you in your ministry pursuits today? Well, I have thought about this before, so I really appreciate the question. The uh, interesting thing about that, I was a, a oil and gas landman, and so I would go into the courthouse and I would pull up the, the current owner of a land. The oil company would say, we're interested in this parcel, this track over here. So I'd find out who owns the land, and I would start searching back and say, okay, he owns the track. Does he own the minerals? So I need to find out who owns the minerals. And then you go back as far as you can to know, okay, this – particular family had 100 percent of the royalty 100 percent of the minerals they sold it and reserved half you know what and they, yeah, yeah, yeah in east texas those minerals split up really quick wow I mean, back in the day you yeah all east texas oil field and so yeah. forth but that's so i learned the detail aspect of, of going in research in um, a courthouse but then on the flip side the thing that i think has served me well was i had to learn not only how to prepare legal documents, oil and gas leases. But then I had to go and talk to you or whoever the, the owner was or whoever had the minerals and say, right. I understand you have some mineral rights under this track. Um, I work for whatever company, and they're, they're interested in potentially drilling uh, for oil or gas or whatever they might be looking for and uh, would like to lease your ownership so you're part of the unit if it, if it makes. And uh, they would have all kinds of questions. Can I talk to my attorney? Absolutely, please do. And it was all a transparent thing. I think there's a lot of potential for dishonesty. Right. That's just not the way my dad did it. And he taught me how to do that. So we were really kind of presenting ourselves, presenting our Savior, uh, so to speak. and In the marketplace. In the marketplace as a testimony. So I enjoyed that. I actually put myself through Baylor that way, just working in the summers, making enough money to pay for the year. I did not realize that aspect of uh, your background. Well, we mentioned your wife, Melanie, Melanie Maddox, that you met at Bellevue Baptist Church in 1989, the daughter of two great leaders of faith, Roland and Sarah Maddox. You mentioned Roland a moment ago. Now, wasn't your father-in-law instrumental in Adrian Rogers coming to Memphis originally? Absolutely right. Actually, Sarah, his wife, Uh, Melanie's mom, her father uh, was a pastor down in Mississippi named Joe Odell, and he really encouraged Roland to put Adrian's name in the hat for that, for the new position, uh, open position at at the church at the time, and it just continued to grow from there. But I think that was kind of a neat history behind where it all started. Yeah, and I know Roland, too, has served on the board at Love We're Finding Ministries, which sends out the messages of Adrian Rogers' God's Word all over the world, which is an exciting ministry. You and Melanie got married in 1990, 31 years, coming up this September. Yes, sir. You got any secret getaways planned? Yes, and it's a secret. (laughs) It's a secret. (laughs) (laughs) 
we are going to look forward because we didn't get to do our 30th. It was all rained out by COVID. Yes, so, so many were disrupted by that. Yeah, Randy, I've looked at your resume and your background, and there's so many different ways that we could go with this interview. Your love to share your faith and help others to be disciples, as you mentioned, and know how to share their faith, evangelism, which I know is a heartbeat, too, of Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. But one of the things that I noticed looking over your resume, and I want to take advantage of this, is your business background Mm -hmm. and how it's tied together into ministry these years. It's really something that I have never really talked much about on this show, but I think it's an important thing to bring out to our listeners today. First of all, what are the basic biblical guidelines for the business side of church ministry? The basic biblical guidelines is stewardship. I think what it boils down to is, am I being a good steward of the resources that God has given us? And and think through all of what that means. It's not just the monetary resources. It's your time. It's the assets that you have in in terms of of infrastructure and building and and so forth. Are you making the most of what you could be doing with, with radio time? Are we doing all we can do? At the end of the day, we want the Lord to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes. And, uh, and that that has to impact everything that you do in business. And so I, I would really – I mean stewardship is, is kind of key. Yes. And I will go ahead and boldly say this too, my friend. Most business schools would probably not understand or might even want to argue this, but every business principle worth its salt is in the Bible. Every business principle. Give me some examples. Well, in terms of integrity, accountability, record keeping, you look at maybe proper scales. I mean, you know, balance weights, weights, yeah, uh, all that had to be carefully, carefully, uh, you know, measured out. And there was plenty of room for graft and 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 dishonesty there. See, yeah. so there's that. There's also r- relationships and how you manage people. There's worldly theories in business. There's two theories in particular on how to manage people. Agency theory, that you can't trust each other. You Mm -hmm. can't trust them to do what you really want them to do. So you have to put covenants and contracts in place, and you've got to incent them to do the right thing and punish them if they don't do the right thing. All this is agency-type stuff. But a contrary or opposing theory for the same trying to motivate employees is called stewardship theory. I'm a real proponent of stewardship, and that is we can all really be after the same thing, and we're not at at odds with each other. We really can trust each other if we understand and we communicate well. All of those things really have an application in the business of a church, in the business field itself. Right. I think for us to look at the church strictly as a business is wrong, but for us to look at Someone who has, like, the bots, they have a business. Yes. And for them to look at this as strictly a business and not a ministry, too, is wrong. There's a balance. There's a balance. Yeah. And I I, I know enough of that family, the bots, to know that they understand that balance. Right. And and we're all so grateful. Of course, many of the churches in America today are made up of bivocational pastors. You know, a church is maybe – at a size where it cannot financially support a pastor on a full-time, cover all their expenses for he and his family. So many of them are have, having to mm-hmm. work in a, a job, another job outside of the church in addition to their church ministries. Uh, that and with those churches that have full-time pastors, how does a church know 
if they're properly supporting financially their pastor and church staff? Well, I do know of a few situations where that hasn't happened. And, um, you know, if if your pastor, in addition to preparing for each Sunday morning service and attending all the weddings and funerals and everything else that the pastor's doing, if he has to work the midnight shift at the grocery store in order to make ends meet, you're not paying him enough. So you got to watch just how many jobs does your pastor have because you render render unto Caesar what is Caesar, unto God what is God's, but you should pay a man what is worth. You know, I had a pastor interview one time that one of his responsibilities was to cut the grass at the church. Yeah, that's there's, not uncommon either. And cleaning the commodes. And no. there's nothing wrong with any of that. No. There is nothing wrong with showing a servant attitude and doing that. But to me, if you have a church of any size body that has somebody who could volunteer to take up some of those responsibilities so that the shepherd can do the work ministry of the preaching and teaching of the Word. Exactly right. Exactly right. So I think you find that in many different cases, but that that would be one of them for sure. I believe another way would just – I'm just going to be straight up. Yeah. But look in the parking lot on Sunday. Look at the age and how nice the cars are and see if you don't know who the minister's cars are. And if you can really tell a difference, that's not good. They shouldn't be driving the fanciest car, and they shouldn't be driving the junkers either. Yeah, that's a good point there, Randy. What are some steps that ensure that the financial matters of a church are being handled properly? We talked about accountability, right. stewardship, but what are some foundational things? Well, again, I like for the pastor to be the spiritual leader of the finance team. Many, many pastors abdicate, and they let Grandpa Billy or somebody (laughs) take over and just say, well, they know more about finance than I'll ever know. Well, that may be true, my friend, but honestly, they're not going to know more about what the Bible says about finances and stewardship and accountability than the pastor. And that's what they desperately need. And there's that line again between ministry and business, and you've got to get that balance. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Um, I also think that uh, those businessmen have all kinds of input coming from everywhere. And most successful businessmen are very well-learned, and and they are constantly getting information from the news media and different places on, you know, what's the best interest rates right now? What should we be doing with your money? Where in the market are you located? Is it – how is real estate doing? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right? And so they got all that. But who's spending more time in the Word? Well, no one should be spending more time in the Word than the pastor – you would okay. hope so. <laughs> I would hope so, right? And again, not to not to come down hard on my brothers, but just to be straight up about it, those businessmen need someone to speak into their lives from God's word related to these things. What is it we're here for and what is it we want to accomplish? Are we here to protect the assets? Are we here to spend the assets? And that's a really big thing. That has to come from God. Yeah. God can say when it's time to store up for seven years because of a famine that's coming. But God can also tell you it's time to break them open and start feeding everybody. God knows the timing on stuff like that. Yeah, some, we don't. Some of these churches have a reserve that is sometimes in the millions. Right. And <laughs> I, I is mean, that sinful? I don't know. And I'm not here I'm, to I'm pass not, judgment. No, we're not. But just to bring it out, because you've got to have that spiritual side to say, does God want us to direct some of those resources somewhere else in the community, mm-hmm. to another church in the ministry, a missionary? 
some of the most underfunded projects in the world are, are missions and missionaries. Yeah. I would share a story about the founder of MidAmerica. I remember going into Dr. Gray Allison's office one day. God rest his soul. He was the founder of MidAmerica Baptist Theological Seminary, where I work. He had called me in. He said, hey, I'm going to go visit some donors. I want to know if there's um, we need a, need anything. This particular donor always wants to know, do we need a new boiler or whatever? Okay. I said, okay, well, I'll be there. Uh, we'll, we'll visit. So I was visiting with him. And in the course of events, I just said, you know, we could always use endowment if they would like to. Oh, no, Randy, I don't want to build a big old endowment. <laughs> I thought, well, why? Why? And he said, well, he said, I think if God gives us a million dollars, there's something he wants us to spend it on. He said, I don't really want a huge endowment. He said, I see a lot of schools that have huge endowments, and then they go astray, and they're still open. He said, if we ever stray from Bible missions evangelism, I want God to shut the doors. <laughs> Amen. And that was just, a good that word. Was just Gray Allison. Oh, I can remember but Dr. Gray. He was strong. Yeah. And uh, while I agree with that, I said, well, as long as you keep your board straight – You'll never have a problem straying from truth. And if God wants to give $50 million to keep a seminary that's strong and doesn't stray from the word, let him give it. <laughs> Amen. That's a good word. <laughs> he didn't argue back with me. He said, well, when you put it that way, he said, I agree. One of the enemies of the show, Randy, is time. What I would like to do, and I haven't done this yet on this program that really features Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, is if you could hang around. And we could do a part two sure. and continue this conversation because I think there's some other things that we could discuss when it comes to financial matters of church and ministry that I think we should really bring out. Now, if folks want more information about MidAmerica, what should they do? Well, they can go to our website, mabts.edu, search to their heart's content. There's also a college site, but just go to mabts.edu and then look for the college link if you want to learn more about the college. But that's a great way to, to research. Also, just call us at the school, 901-751-8453, and uh, ask for the admissions department. They'll be glad to give you all the information about the school. Now, if somebody wanted to ask you a question, could they email you directly? They sure could. They can email me directly at r-r-e-d-d at m-a-b-t-s dot e-d-u. Randy Red, God bless you, my brother. Thanks for sharing with us on this program today. My privilege. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Mid-South Viewpoint is locally produced in the Bot Radio Network Memphis studios, airing Tuesday through Thursday at 3 p.m. The show is available at BotRadioNetwork.com or on the Bot Radio mobile app for iPhone and Android users, as well as iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.